I want to start off this morning with a riddle. Hope you like riddles. It's not really a funny riddle. It's more of a what am I riddle. <laughs> I can be right. I can be wrong. I can be good. I can be bad. I can be wise. I can be foolish. I can be big. I can be small. I can bring joy, but I can also bring regret. I can bring peace, but I can bring harm. I am something that everyone in the world makes. Making me can take a long time, but I can also be made very quickly. What am I? A what? Impression? That might be right, but that's not the right answer today. Any others? Decision. Somebody said decision. That's it. That's where we're going for this morning. Every day, you and I are faced with situations that require us to make decisions. None of us can escape from this. Some of the decisions we make are small, like deciding what you ate for breakfast this morning might be one of the smaller decisions you make. Deciding what you wore this morning might have been a bigger decision for some than for others. For guys, you probably walked over to your closet, opened it up, took out a pair of pants or shorts, put on a shirt, and you were done. Took you 20 seconds. (laughs) For the ladies, you might have taken out two or three pairs of, or two or three outfits, laid them on your bed, looked at them, went back to your closet, looked to see if there's any others. You might have tried on a couple of outfits this morning before you made your decision. And then you had to figure out what shoes to wear, which is another whole decision-making tree that I'll never understand. (laughs) The point is, we all make decisions. Each and every day, we make decisions. Some are small, and some are big. title of this morning's message is Street Smarts for Direction. We're doing a summer-long series called Street Smarts, God's Wisdom from the Book of Proverbs. And uh, street smarts is a term that we use for the ability to make good or wise decisions in different areas of life. And uh, so each week we're going to, throughout the summer, we're going to look at a different area of life to see what God's wisdom from the Book of Proverbs has to say about that area. And this morning we want to look at the area of direction, or decision-making. So if you have your uh, Bibles with you, or a device with a Bible app on it, you can turn to our scripture verse for this morning. It's a very familiar verse for a lot of people. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll come up on the screen here. So beginning at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I think we can all agree that we would always like to make good decisions. But isn't it true that we don't always make the best decision? Here's a picture that proves the point. It's a young boy, he's playing in the water there, and there's a crocodile or an alligator lurking in the background. And the caption says... Snap a picture, 
or warn your child of the impending danger. Hard choice. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where knowing what to do isn't so obvious. Like this one. It says, how badly do you need that toilet paper? Now, what can the Bible teach us about making decisions? Well, from our verses this morning, the first thing we learn is don't trust yourself. Second part of verse 5 says, lean not on your own understanding. You ever wonder why we make bad decisions in life? Sometimes it's because our understanding is limited. We don't know any better. You see this in kids all the time. For instance, my son Tice, he loves sugar. If it was up to him, he'd eat sugar all day long until he got sick. Why? Because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know the effects that sugar has on his body, short-term or long-term. But sometimes we know better and we still make bad mistakes or bad decisions. Why is that? Well, research has actually discovered why this happens. Nobel Peace Prize winner Professor Daniel Kahneman from Princeton University, he actually discovered that we have two systems of thinking. There's the logical part of our mind. It's capable of analyzing a problem and coming up with a rational answer. They found in their study that this part of your mind, it's, it's slow, requires a great deal of energy, and is extremely lazy. Sounds like a teenager in the morning. <laughs> then there's the intuitive part of your mind. It's fast and it's automatic. It's incredibly powerful, but we're totally unaware of it. But it takes care of the many decisions that you and I make every day. Now they say the problem comes when your intuitive mind, so you've got your logical mind and your intuitive mind. When the logical mind starts making decisions, or your intuitive mind starts making decisions that your logical mind really should be taking over and making decisions on. And the reason why this is a problem is because they have discovered that our thinking is filled with systematic mistakes. We're filled with systematic mistakes in our thinking. Psychologists call them cognitive biases. And they've discovered a whole list of different cognitive biases that we have. Just one example of these is called the present bias. It causes us to pay attention to now and not worry or think about the future. It's a bias that causes texting while driving or eating food you know you shouldn't be eating. See, it satisfies something now without thinking about the future. And they say that these biases affect all of us. And they play a role in the many decisions that we make every day. The other thing they discovered is these biases are so deeply rooted in us, they actually believe that they've been around for as long as mankind has been around. In other words, you and I are destined to make bad decisions. Now, I like it when science discovers something that the Bible has already told us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 7, 15. He says, 
I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul's basically saying, I make bad decisions, even though I know better. And you know what Paul blames it on? He blames it on his sinful nature. He goes on to say, what a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me? See, he realizes there's nothing he can do to change. So according to research and according to the Bible, you and I are plagued not only with the capability, but in us there's a pull or a bias to make bad, foolish, and wrong decisions. And we can't change it. Now, one of the key words in verse 5 is lean. Leaning has the sense of putting a lot of your weight on something. And Norm, can I just pick on you for a sec? Can you come here? I just want to kind of demonstrate this. I want to lean on Norm here for a second, okay? So I'm going to put my weight. Now, before I do, your intuitive mind is going to think, hey, if I let him fall, that'll be funny. Your logical mind will say, he signs my paychecks, I shouldn't let him fall. Okay, so, logical mind's in control, right? Okay, Okay. all right. So, can I just lean on you here? Okay, I'm going to, no, I'm leaning on you, you're not leaning on me, okay. So, I'm just leaning on Norm here. Now, by doing this, I'm trusting Norm. I'm actually trusting that he's not going to give away, because if he does, I'm falling. Okay, thanks Norm, did great. Paychecks in the mail. (laughs) See, you're resting on something or you're trusting in something. That's what leaning kind of, that's the picture that leaning gives. And when we make decisions, we tend to put our weight, and we put a lot of weight on our own understanding. We tend to trust ourselves. We think we know what's best. But the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. Now, not only do we have a sinful nature and we have these cognitive biases working in us, there's actually a third thing at work. It's our enemy, Satan. He's always looking to deceive us. And you know what? He's really good at it. If you take Adam and Eve, for instance, they didn't have any cognitive biases. They didn't have a sinful nature. Yet in Genesis 3, Eve enters into a conversation with Satan. And he's able to twist the truth just enough to get her thinking differently. And she starts leaning on her own understanding. And it led to a pretty bad decision. I think we would all agree. He does that for us too. He'll whisper and he'll twist the truth just enough to get us to believe in his lie. But when he does this, he makes it so that it's appealing to us. You know, I think for most of us, he won't whisper to go rob a grocery store. To some, he may do that. But I think for the most part, people here, I don't think that would be a temptation. But you might find yourself walking out of a grocery store and also realize that the clerk forgot to charge you for one of your items. And at that moment... A thought comes into your head. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. It's their error. 
<clears throat> See, you might even get the thought that this is a blessing from God. Somehow God has blessed you by giving you this free gift. I was in a grocery store a while back, and you know, they got the bulk food section, right? And I happened to see this one guy. He was putting a scoop in there, and he, he dumped some of the whatever it was into his hand, and he started eating them. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But maybe he was just testing to see, is this stuff stale or is it fresh? Nope, that's not what he was doing. He actually put the scoop back in and he filled his hand right up and he started eating while he was pushing the cart around the store. He was having a snack. And not only that, I, I was passing by that section again and he was back there getting a second scoop. Like, obviously this guy needed a snack and he thought it's okay to have a snack at the store's expense. And this is what happens. We actually begin to rationalize in our mind why we should make certain decisions. This is exactly what happened to Eve. And you know, what else, you know what one of the rationales was that Eve believed? She thought eating the fruit would make her more wise. One last reference to uh, this research that Dr. Kahneman did. They discovered that our logical mind is actually a master at inventing a cover-up story. It invents a reason why you think and believe something. Now, I'm not saying we should omit careful thinking or we just throw away our God-given ability to reason. No, God gave us the ability to reason. He gave us the ability to critically think. But when making decisions, the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding. So if we're not supposed to lean on our understanding, what are we supposed to do? Well, if you want to make good decisions in life, trust God. Verse 5 begins by saying, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In 2006, country music singer Carrie Underwood, she released a song called Jesus, Take the Wheel. It became a, very, it became a number one hit in country and Christian uh, charts and uh, just kind of crossed all genres. And the song's about a single mom who's driving to her parents' place on Christmas Eve, and she has her baby in the back seat, uh, back seat sleeping. And as she's driving, she's contemplating on how difficult the past year has been. And she gets so caught up in her thoughts that she's not paying attention to how she's driving. And she starts driving faster and faster, and all of a sudden she hits a patch of ice, and the vehicle spins out of control. And as the vehicle is spinning, she's so scared that she sees the life of her life and the life of her baby flash before her eyes. And when the car finally stops, she looks in the back seat and she sees her baby sleeping. And at that moment, she just breaks down because she's so overwhelmed by the stress in life. And she throws her hands up in the air and she says, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go, so give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take this wheel. Maybe there's some here today that you can identify with this. Maybe you've had a difficult year. Maybe your life is spinning out of control. Maybe you're just overwhelmed. 
Maybe you need to throw your hands up in the air and say, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. I can't do this on my own. Give me one more chance. See, giving your life to Jesus, giving him the wheel to your life, and starting a personal relationship with him is the first step in trusting God. You cannot trust God apart from his son, Jesus. And if that's you today, the good news is he is willing to give you another chance. And he's more than ready to take the wheel of your life. He's not dying to take the wheel from you. The fact is, he actually did die so that you can give him the wheel. The other good news is, he knows exactly the direction that your life needs to head in. He created you. He created you with gifts and with talents and and passions and desires. But you have to let him take the wheel. You have to give up control. You have to trust him. Now I know there's many here today, you've given the wheel to Jesus. But whether you made that decision a long time ago in life or whether that's a a recent decision, there's a pitfall that we need to be careful of. Now we have youth with us this morning and so I thought instead of me telling you what that pitfall is, I'm going to let the group Toby Mac tell us what that is. watch the rest of the video, you can go on YouTube and watch it. I just wanted them to make the point. After we've given our life to God, what's the pitfall that we need to be careful of? Youth? What is it? I played that for you guys. Backseat driving. Good, thanks guys. It's our human tendency to want to revert back to our old ways. 
we want to be in control. We give Jesus the wheel only to get in the back seat and become a back seat driver. One of the definitions, Webster actually has a definition for backseat driver. It's this. It's a person who intervenes with advice and instructions in subjects they may not understand well. <laughs> we can all think of somebody that probably fits that definition. But if we're honest, we fit that definition. Because at times we think we know what's best. Instead of trusting God, we lean on our flawed and limited understanding. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. If we want to make good decisions in life, trust God, not yourself. And finally, get to know God better. Verse 6 says, In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Now that word for acknowledge means to know, to understand, become familiar with. Billy Graham says, Most of us know about God, but that is quite different from knowing God. See, when Ivy and I first went on a date, we knew who the other person was, barely, but we didn't know anything about each other. In fact, Ivy asked her friend before we went out, what can you tell me about Kevin? And her friend said, well, he's a nice guy, and he's faithful. She said, faithful? What do you mean faithful? Well, you know, he's, he's got a good faith. Well, that didn't really help her at all. <laughs> it wasn't until we started dating, spending time with one another, that we really got to know each other. See, you have to spend quality time with someone to get to know them. And the better you know someone, the greater the trust that you will have with that person. Now, at some point in our dating, Ivy and I knew each other enough to trust our lives to one another. But the getting to know each other didn't stop at our wedding day. In fact, that's when we really started to get to know each other. In many ways. Our relationship with Jesus only begins at salvation. Salvation is kind of like a wedding day. It's... It's the day that you invite Jesus to come and live in you. And you can't really get to know Jesus until he's living in you. And as Ivy and I spend quality time with one another, our relationship and our love just grows deeper and deeper. And when we spend quality time with Jesus, our relationship and our love with him will go deeper and deeper as well. I like how the message, the message is a paraphrase of the Bible, but I like how the message puts verse 6. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. You need to spend quality time with God if you want to hear his voice. 1 Kings 19 tells a story of a man named Elijah. He was a prophet and he was hiding in a cave up in the mountain. 
And Jesus said to Elijah, he said, Elijah, come out of the cave. I want to pass by you. And so Elijah came out of the cave and all of a sudden a a violent wind came and shook the mountain. And after the wind came an earthquake. And after an earthquake came a fire. And the Bible says God wasn't found in any of those. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard the whisper, he knew it was God speaking. To listen for God's voice in everything we do means we need to step back from the noise and the busyness of our lives. And we need to take time and listen quietly for his guidance. Over the last number of years here at Gateway, we've been running a seminar called Hearing God. See, we believe that God still speaks to his children today. But the challenge is, we don't always know what his voice sounds like. Or we don't know how to spend quiet time with the Lord and hear his soft, gentle voice. So it's an equipping seminar to help us grow in this area. And if you desire to get to know God better, I would strongly encourage you to sign up for the seminar in the fall when we offer it again. Because as you spend quiet time with him, learning to hear his voice, and in faith, obeying, obeying is a, is a very important part of that, here's what's going to happen. Your trust in God is going to grow. And you are going to start leaning less on your own understanding. And this is important because the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. He's going to lead us in ways at times that we don't understand. So we need to grow in trusting that his ways are good. See, anything that grows starts off small, but it gets bigger and bigger over time. Our trust in God is no different. It'll start off small, but it'll grow as we obey. Charles Spurgeon said, To trust God in the light is nothing. To trust him in the dark, now that's faith. That's the kind of trust he wants to build in us. Trusting him when life is dark. And as we grow in our trust for him, he will direct our paths, which will lead to making good decisions, even in situations that don't make sense to us, even when life is dark. I'll invite the worship team to come forward as we close off. But as they do, what are some of the decisions you need to make? Maybe it has to do with relationships, or finances, or vocation, or your future, or parenting. The list goes on and on. Whatever it is, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't trust yourself. Trust him. Give him the wheel and stop backseat driving. 
And then get to know him better. Start a daily quiet time with him and learn to hear his voice. You do that, his promise is he will direct you and you will make good decisions in life.